Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We will be taking the Good Gardening Stroll shortly, but if you have questions, concerns, or comments, 314 436-7900 or 36-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And happy trails to you. So you got you you found out? Yes. So next week or this week is the last time you're going to be on between 7 and 8? Uh that's uh, I think it's this week is the last week. It might be next week, but one of the next after the next week or two, it maybe this week. Uh, they're going to run a different program between 7 and 8. Wow. Yeah. So we're never going to be able to do this kind of oh, thing. Oh, I'll still be in here doing the news. Yeah, but yeah. we won't be doing that. Oh, I guess you'll Yeah, be we can here. do this. Okay. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll, you know I, I'll have to check with my agent to make sure it's still okay. But, uh, yeah, we should be able to do this. Are you still going to yeah. squeeze in all those birthdays of people I never heard of? I'll try. Okay. Yeah. Good. I'll try. That's one of the highlights. Our, <laughs> you know, our, our vast multi-state audience loves those people. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I have to look him up and go, oh, okay, I know that guy now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know her. Yeah, right. okay. How come my birthday was never announced? When is your birthday? June 30th. If I'm working on June 30th, Mike Miller, I will mention your birthday. I promise. Thank you. As long as it's Great. on the list. <laughs> if you make the list. I'll never I make have, the list. I have pretty high standards. I make the list of the bads. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> the I have bad good, list, I, not the good list. Matter of fact, I better check my family list and make sure I didn't miss anybody today. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And it is Saturday morning, so we get together and we discuss what's going on in your backyard. Oh, my gosh. What's going on? Oh, scary stuff. That cold weather really knocked any kind of tropicals or annuals out, except we were driving down Hampton yesterday, and there's a a couple restaurants that have big pots of elephant ears and things like that in front of the restaurant outside, and they weren't showing any cold damage at all. So now I don't know if they pulled them in and then pushed them back out or what happened, but uh, that was really kind of really weird or eerie or the buildings were so warm that it kept the plants from getting so cold but all the stuff that i have left out on purpose because i just you know was going to toss it out anyway (laughs) really looks very halloween like i mean it's black and really icky so today after the show that's one of the things i'm going to do is clean up all the frozen stuff I don't necessarily like it when it's so mushy, but uh, that's the way it goes. And how about you? How about your specialty garden space? This is a very good time of year to go out there with a shovel, rototiller, or whatever, vegetable garden-wise, or areas that you put just annuals in and turn that soil over because you expose a lot of insects, insect eggs, and things like that to the cold, and it could reduce potential insect problems. Also, it could reduce potential disease problems in the future as well. So how about uh, those houseplants? Whoops, left those out. (laughs) 
kiss them goodbye. And uh, what is a potting mix? How do you improve your soil? How, how about shearing and pruning? Somebody sent me an email uh, yesterday, I think, or two days on Thursday, I think. And um, he asked about, uh, you know, some. he's got some broadleaf evergreens and some coniferous evergreens shrub-wise, and they had just been pruned. I guess they were out of town or something, and they got pruned when they weren't there. And they, he asked me what potentially could be a problem because he listens to the show, and he said, I know that you say you don't like to have those things pruned going into wintertime. It's because potential winter damage because the tips have been cut off is going to be exaggerated, especially if we have a severe winter where there's going to be, you know, dieback or killback due to the results of the cold. But anyway, so if you got questions about those kind of things, and uh, hopefully my thoughts, ideas will help you orchestrate the best decision for you and for your landscape. And the final judgment, of course, is going to be yours. And by the way, this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you inviting me into your home, your car, or wherever you happen to be listening to. Another very important player who is having a very bad morning as far as cough-wise is Alex. He's producing. He will be answering the phone. All he needs is your name and where you're calling from. And by the way, in case you don't know, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since... 1994. During the week, I do landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. If you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, aesthetic-wise, problem-solving, or whatever it happens to be, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and my email and phone number will be there. And the Good Gardening Stroll page of my website is the monthly update, so November is already there as well. Five gardening books I've written, two are currently available at various locations, And uh, today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. I'll tell you, taking Good Gardening Strolls, I usually take them in between sometime, let's say, a little bit before 6, a little bit after 6, all the way till 6.30 or a little bit past that, and then head for the station. But it is so dark that time of morning. It is kind of really eerie and scary and everything else. So it's almost like every Saturday morning this time of year is a Halloween kind of thing. But to remember, that's going to change a little bit because we're going to set our clocks back. Spring forward, fall back. So you're going to do that this morning, I guess Sunday morning, actually at 2 in the morning. So you set your alarm, get up at 2. Let's see, do you set it at the daylight savings time or the other time for 2 o'clock? I don't know. Anyway, just make sure you get those things turned around. I pulled in and uh, parked underneath a poplar tree. Lots of leaves have fallen from the poplar trees, but uh, this one still was holding on to some leaves. This is a huge tree. It's probably trunk caliper, which is measured uh, two feet off the ground, was four to five feet. It's, I mean, massive. And uh, as I stepped out of the car, ooh, the cool, dark morning, I walked down towards some shiny stuff. I didn't know what it was. I thought maybe it was aliens or something. I went underneath a redbud tree through a grove of pine trees and towards those reflecting lights on actually a lake. I walked through all this frosted lawn areas. And uh, went underneath a red oak member. I couldn't tell exactly which member of the red oak. It wasn't a pin oak, but I couldn't tell exactly what it was. I heard the sounds of water running. Uh, Went by a bald cypress. Some ducks were in the water. 
And they were quacking, asking, what are you doing here? It's still dark. You're not supposed to be down here. And as I saw, some steam was rising. That's actually from the water pipe that was adding water to the lake. So I went across an old bridge, which there was a small kind of creek-like thing. I guess it's more or less stormwater runoff from uh, this area. And uh, lots of leaves were covering this little bridge. And uh, the pathways were covered with some leaves, too, as well. There's a sign that says, Fisherman Information. And uh, it's Sport Fish Restoration Care. Oop, excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry, I got a bad cough, too. But anyway, so as I, where was I? Well, I was at Wilmore Park. That's on Long Gravoy. Just, uh, no, it's not on Gravoy. It's on Hampton. Just, I guess that would be west of Gravoy. It's really kind of a neat park, has all kinds of different stuff going on. But as I headed back towards a car, since it was so dark, I couldn't see really well where all the, let's say, low points were. So I stepped one spot. Oh, it was full of water. And I'll tell you, that water was cold. So uh, wet feet this morning. Anyway, it was starting to get a little bit lighter, but, I mean, it is still extremely dark. So enjoy. Wilmore Park is a great place to go and. It runs along River to Pear. Great fun place. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. I know you've probably been watching the Internet or the news or whatever. And an interesting thing, I thought, you know, related to the wildfires in California. And I spent multiple years in California part in the Air Force, and then that's where I went to college. The wildfires are really totally wild and crazy. But this particular perspective was, if you remember a couple months ago, I talked about goats, goats coming in with weed control. But they were saying some of the, they had used goats in some of these areas where some of the wildfires are happening, you know, just by chance. And or probably maybe it was designated to do this, but it helped diminish some of the wildfires, you know, the brush and everything they could eat. So I guess they had brought in some goats and sent them up into the hills and said, you know, you guys go up there and help clear some of this stuff out of the way. So anyway, goats helping with wildfires. That's something really totally wild and crazy. But uh, I thought that was a little bit interesting perspective on the wildfires. When I was in Santa Barbara, there was a wildfire. It wasn't close to my house, but it was up in the hills, and you could come out, go out your back door, or we could go out our back door, and look up and see this thing, and it was, like, totally crazy. Then after it was all taken care of and, you know, burned itself out or whatever, we went up there, and, man, it is really kind of scary how bad it really just wipes out everything. And this was an area where there was no houses. It was just the vegetation and everything else was just whoosh, gone. So. Anyway, let's go, and uh, our first call is going to be to Mary. Mary, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Very good. Uh, my question is, um, I have one plant that I didn't get in the ground, <laughs> and I'd like to get it in the ground this weekend. It's a viburnum, and it's a very small, well, it's about mm, a foot tall. The root system looks really good, and I actually have two of them, and I was going to plant them about a foot, foot and a half apart, and just have it be one big viburnum. And my question is, is it too late to get it in the ground? 
Uh, basically, that seems a little close for vi- for viburnums. Even dwarf viburnums, a foot or a foot and a half apart is way too close, unless you just want to have them look like one big bush. Yeah, that that's fine. Okay. Actually, they I do remember they get like fourteen to sixteen. They get really tall. I don't think they're a dwarf. Yeah, some of these, uh, you know, some varieties get tall. Some will only get six to eight feet, but also six to eight feet wide. So just understand it's not only just the height factor, it's the other things too. And they send out suckers, so they're kind of colonizers. But no, it's fine. The ground is, you know, it's a good, the ground temperature is starting to get cool, but it's not bad. So any kind of conifer, any kind of deciduous tree or shrub, it can be planted now. Uh, Broadleaf evergreens, are these evergreen viburnums or are these ones that lose their leaves? Um, God, I don't know. They're called nanny berries. That's the common name okay. for them. Hmm. Um, and the leaves are turning yellow, so it looks like they're probably going to lose their leaves. Okay, so that's good because, you know, planting deciduous things, in other words, things that lose their leaves, is very good. And conifers, which have needles, it's okay to do that. Broadleaf evergreens were kind of on the cusp because they may not get their root system established enough, especially if we have a really severe cold snap. It could do some damage. But I would say your viburnums are fine. Dig the hole three times the diameter of the root ball, but only about 80% is deep. So, in other words, the top of the root ball is going to be above the surrounding ground. Right, right. Okay. And um, what about mulching? Uh, About two to three inches of mulch should be adequate. Okay, around the top. And um, any particular kind of mulch that's good? Uh, Personal choice more so than anything. Definitely don't get, like, wood chips when Ameren or somebody comes along or AT&T and, you know, let's say trims off power lines and they have this trailer full of, you know, chips. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, Yeah, I live near power lines. Yeah, don't do that stuff. But uh, anything that's official mulch should be fine. Okay, we have a community mulch pile in New City, and any resident can go down there and get mulch. Do you think, I mean, you're taking a chance of getting some possible disease contaminant, but... Yeah, but uh, if, it's been, you know, if it's been mulched properly, the chances of having problems is not erased by any means because, of, of you know, it's just a community-type thing, but uh, you should be fine. Okay, all right. And if they lose their... So it's not too late to get them in the ground. No, no. Go ahead and do that. I was going to do that this weekend. Oh, yeah, you're fine. Probably until the ground really freezes. Then after that point, it's too late to do anything. And the ones that lose their leaves, that's better. They have a better chance of surviving? Yeah, because uh, when things have their leaves, you know, and this is things with broadleaf leaves, not weeds, broadleaf leaves as opposed to needles, uh, they just... uh, it's, I mean, they get dehydrated during the winter time, and that's where the real problem comes. The foliage gets dehydrated, and so that's where the trouble is. With the broadleaf, right? Okay, so I should water them in pretty good too. After oh yeah, I plant definitely them. you got to water, and probably what? you know every few days for the next couple of weeks, it wouldn't hurt to put some water on them if we're not having any kind of rainfall. Okay, okay, and um, also one other question: I planted three crepe myrtles. I kept the, um, you know, they're above the ground, good. Uh, um, you know, I planted them higher so mm-hmm. that uh, the crown of the plant is above the ground. Right. Should I, I should probably go ahead and mulch those too, right? Absolutely, right. About two to three inches around yeah, the plant? Be, yeah, that should be adequate. Okay, okay. And have you ever heard of a nanny berry viburnum? I think they put off these little berries that goats, you were just talking about goats, goats like to eat. <laughs> well, all viburnums produce little berries. 
Oh, they do. Pretty, okay. Yeah, for the most part. Okay, and I love their flowers. They have really pretty, some of them, I think these have white flowers, and they're really pretty. Right. Sounds so. great. Okay, thanks, great. All right, well, thanks for the information. I'm sure. glad I could plant it. Sure, definitely, and enjoy. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. How are you today? I'm doing good. Uh, has the weather been cold enough to trim my knockout roses and my roses yearns back? Uh, yeah. You know, I'm, yeah, I don't know how enough. cold the guy. I think you're, it looks like you have a 618 number, so you live in Illinois, and I don't know. How, right. If you're part, you know, away from the metropolitan area, it definitely, it was like 26 or something you know, in our neighborhood, and we're in South City, so that was yeah, that. That's pretty much plenty cold. Where most of the growth is going above ground growth is going to stop. So yeah, you can go ahead and do the pruning. Alrighty, thank you. Yep, good luck with that. And let's say, why don't we go over to Crestwood and head into another Mary's yard? Hi, Mary. Hi, I have two green giants, and they're turning brown in certain areas. Is that normal this time of the year? I don't remember doing that before. If this is the interior part of the plant, then that's fine. That's, you know, what happens with any kind of conifer, they lose needles. And even though you don't think of the green giant arborvitae having needles, those are needles on the inside. If it's the end of the branches, that's not a good sign. Okay. Thank you very much. Yep. Okay. Bye. Yeah, that's just a, a natural occurrence with the... The conifers this time of year, you know, just simply expect the interior to start. Even older, mature ones are still, I have a probably a 50-year-old mugal pine just outside our kitchen window, and it's, you know, dropping needles too. So all of them, this is a time of year where they just do that and is, a, you know, sort of a protection type thing. So thanks, Mary. And, oops, Art just dropped, and he was going to be next. So let's go to Jay from Maryville. Hi, Jay. Hello. Hi. Hey, Mike. Thanks for taking my phone call this morning. Sure. Hey, I got a question. Um, we've got a really nice hibiscus right outside our, our front window here in Maryville, and it's beautiful. It was really nice this year. I seem to recall you in the past saying, do we have to uh, uh, kind of transplant that into a pot and bring it in for the winter? Well, there's many different types of hibiscus. There are varieties of hibiscus like Dixie Bell or Disco Bell and Disco Queen or whatever it happens to be that are hardy varieties that just stay outside. Now, if this is a tropical one, its foliage should be, you know, in other words, one that you would see growing in Florida, and it's a houseplant here in the wintertime. Did it turn black? You know, did the foliage turn black? Uh, No, no, it's not. It's it's very lush and green, and the... Flowers are a good red. And are they how? What size are they? About four inches across. Yeah, roughly. Yep, yep. So it it may be a variety that you know it might be a rosa you know rosa Sharon. It may be a hibiscus. If it's a if you think it's a tropical hibiscus, then definitely bring it inside. But if okay. it's if it's a okay. hardy variety, then it can just stay out. You know, it's one of those that uh, actually got it at uh, here at Mary or uh, in Glen Carbon here at uh, Sam's Club where they sell them early in the year and they just go like wildfire uh people just buy them up i so i think you're probably right that it's more of a tropical one right so you can transplant you can dig that up transplant it and bring it in the house yeah i mean i i'd give it a try if you think it's a tropical type but you know the, if it's not showing any sort of damage due to that cold that we just had that's really kind of a unique circumstance okay 
it hasn't. I, I was just I went for a run this morning and came back and I was checking it out this morning and it certainly didn't look like some of my other stuff in the yard. Right. That's obviously uh, affected by the, the the free snap we had the other night. Right. So my thinking is it's probably a hardy variety, and you don't need to dig it up. You can just leave it outside. But if it's like a single trunk, and you know. Just look on you know, look at the tropical ones online and make sure. Okay. Because if you bring in okay. a hardy variety into your house, it's going to die in your house. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. All right. And then I, I have a little I have a rose bush right out front. I, I should cut that back every year before winter gets in full swing, shouldn't I? No, you should wait until we have a really when it gets the temperatures get like in the mid to lower twenties. You should cut it back. If it's a, or is it a shrub type, like a knockout type, or is it like a... Yeah, it, yeah, yes, it's like a knockout type. Yeah, I mean, you can prune it, or you can just leave it alone and cut it next spring before the new growth begins. Gotcha. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you so much for your show, too. I enjoy listening. Well, thanks for having me on your show. I greatly appreciate it. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Even though we had that severe cold, a lot of the trees, very colorful trees, are still holding onto the foliage. So we've got a few more days to look at it. They are dropping leaves, but uh, I'll tell you, the two sugar maples on the side, on the north side of our house, I've never seen them this, this colorful. It's just been absolutely fantastic. And then when Tracy and I have been out, I mean, driving through neighborhoods and everything else, some of the trees are just unbelievable. And you always think, well, once we get a cold snap, then that's what's going to knock all the leaves off the trees. No, 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 not yet. So anyway, let's head over to Linwood's yard. Hi, Linwood. Hello, Mike. Hi. My question is I have a magnolia tree, and I was just wondering when is the best time to prune those limbs. I got some little old limbs that's hanging down. Basically, if you prune it now, you're cutting off potential flowers for next year. So if you know what the flower buds look like and these branches that you're going to cut off don't have any flower buds on them, then you can do it. Or you can just wait until normally things that flower in the spring, the best time to prune just in general is right after they finish flowering. Okay. Thank you, Mike. Enjoy your show. Well, thank you, and thanks for having me on your show. And let's go over to Jesse. Hi, Jesse. How are you? Whoop! looks like Jesse has uh, got involved in something else. Anyway, let's go and see what's going on with Eric. Hi, Eric. Uh, hi, Mike. I've got a couple of questions for you. Okay. I'm planning on putting some sod down today, and I've got some compost. If I was going to put some of this compost before I put the sod down, is it good just to mix it up with the, with the existing dirt? I've sort of roughened it up pretty much. Yeah, definitely. At least, you know, use a heavy garden rake and rake it so, you know, it's, you can break the surface because not only that, even if you weren't putting the compost down, what could happen is the soil could be really compacted and compressed and laying the sod down, the root system may not be able to penetrate into the ground. So, yeah, loosen the surface up for sure. And definitely if you're sure. putting something down. If I was going to put this uh, compost down, like about an inch of compost or so, pretty good to mix it in then? Uh, you probably don't need an inch, but any place between, let's say, a half inch and an inch should be adequate. Okay. And then I've got uh, a pretty good amount of compost. If I've got some extra compost, is that okay to put it around like trees and shrubs and bushes too? Yeah, you can use it as a mulch. Okay. And then uh, I'm, 
I've had a couple of Alberta spruce trees that went bad on me, and I'm planning on planting some of those maybe later on. That's still okay to plant those trees too, isn't it? Yes, because they're conifers. They can handle it. And, uh, base, you know, the Alberta spruce, they're really kind of tough. They're really kind of odd because they're a naturally occurring dwarf off a regular spruce tree. And uh, they don't like areas that are wet, so just make sure it's a dry area. And they really would prefer an area that has, you know, really, as I said, with the wet, extremely well-drained soils. Okay, that sounds good. And last question, if I'm going to be putting that uh, sod down, if I've got some starter fertilizer, is that okay to spread that over it after I get the sod all down, or should I put that around the uh, around the compost? Yeah, I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't necessarily put the fertilizer down initially. I'd wait for another week or so, and maybe do it at that time. But make sure you water the sod in really well. Really good. Okay, and it's not too late to put the sod in yet, is it? Well, it's kind of on the cusp because we don't know what okay. the weather's going to be. It's just you know okay. we just want to make sure that you know your root system of the sod is going to get be able to penetrate into the ground. So you go well. Okay. How am I going to know? Just every few days, just go out in one corner of a piece of sod, just kind of t- gently lift it up and see if it's you know if it resists, then the root system is starting to move into the ground. Okay. Thanks again for answering the questions. Certainly, my pleasure. If anybody else has any questions or concerns, three one four. Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Things that you need to be thinking about is you know get rid of all that debris. If you have perennial plants that, uh, especially any of them that are, have a you know a propensity to uh, have disease problems on the foliage, even if it doesn't really over you know impact the plant material, get the foliage, get the stems cut you know cut off at the ground level. I've got a couple of perennials underneath the mugo pine I was talking about. Uh, one of them is a coral bells, and it's a you know palace purple. So the purple, they're still looking good. I mean, they don't look bad. The Japanese painted fern that I have underneath there um, looks good. The fronds look very good. The hostas that I have underneath that mugo pine still look pretty darn good, even though it's gotten so cold. So, but once the foliage starts turning brown. On any of them, I just cut it off entirely. And then I, you know, in the city, we have actually dumpsters that you put, you know, compost or you put, let's say, yard waste into, and that's what you're going to do. Also, even if you, I don't know what kind of trees that you have in your yard, but remember, don't let that leaf debris just sit there for an extended period of time, especially if it starts building up and getting deep, because it could start some winter fungus problems. And winter fungus is not deadly necessarily, but what it does is just weaken your lawn in general. So just, you know, keep up with that leaf raking. I've already done, you know, a couple of leaf rakings myself. So that's just what you need to do is keep, make sure that you do stay up with that. Let's say we're, we're going over to Missouri. <laughs> no way. Is there? Yeah. Okay. One second. Okay, well, we we got some complications here, so now we can go. Let's go over to Molly's yard. Hi, Molly. Okay, hi. Hi. Um, I have have about 20 privacy trees that were just planted on my fence line, Um, and I'm so sorry. I don't have the exact name, but I think they are, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's T-H-U-J-A. 
Um, and I'm not really sure what I need to do. Do I need to water them? Do I need to put, um, you know, some kind of uh, acid on them? How do I make sure they don't die? Because it's 20, it's 20 trees and I don't want, you know, one to turn brown or whatever. So right. well, if I you feel got, like it's pretty... To be honest with you, if you've got 20, and these are arborvitae. So Athusia, Occidentalis, then whatever variety it is of the arborvitae. Uh, there, you know, if you have 20 to make sure that all 20 are going to survive, that's going to be a really roll-of-the-dice type circumstance. But, yes, definitely if we have extended periods of time, longer than, let's say, a week or so with no rain, go out and water them for sure. And, you know, you okay. can, if, you're, if you've already turned off your faucets and things like that, at least take a, a two-gallon bucket of water and pour it all the way around the drip line, you know, right at the base of the, uh, the, each individual plant. So just realize okay. it's going to be, I mean, I would say out of 20 arborvitae, you're probably going to end up losing three of them during this transitional time. And hopefully they're planted correctly, nice big wide hole, and with the top of the plant above the surrounding ground. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Certainly. Good luck with that. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Questions, concerns, or comments? How's your landscape doing? Uh, your zoysia should be turning brown. Your cool season lawns, your fescues and bluegrasses should be looking vibrant. Don't put your mowers away. Any kind of growth, you want to keep them uh, about three inches high. Don't scalp when you're making one of your final cuts on your zoysia. Don't scalp it down to nothing because you're setting up a scenario for winter cold damage and also a perfect situation for weed to be invasive in there. So the cool season weeds are still out there. They're growing. They're the ones that germinate in August. There's still seeds that haven't germinated yet, which can continue to do so. And by leaving some length to the grass blades, that helps shade the bottom, shade the ground underneath, and that can slow or eliminate the germination of any kind of weed seeds that happen to be there. So let's head over to Diana. Hi, Diana. How are you today? Hi. I have a question. Hello? Yes, go ahead. Oh, yes. Is it? If after I rake my leaves up, like tomorrow, is it okay to put down the step four program on the steps? I would think so. Now, I'm assuming that's a winterizer type thing, correct? It is. It is. Is it not too late to put it down No, yet? no, you're fine. Probably if it, this was, let's say, the end of this month, end of December, I would say that might be a little bit late. But as long as you have a cool season lawn, lawn a fescue or bluegrass, you should be fine. So rake first, then spread it, and then water it in. All right. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And let's go from Diana over to Matt's yard. Hi, Matt. Hey, Mike. Hey. Hey. So um, I bought a Sun Valley red maple uh, about five years ago, put it in the front yard. Uh, it was about five feet tall. Now it's about 20 feet tall. Uh, it's doing quite well. However, I bought it from a big box store, and the tag on it, the writing says it got no bigger than, than 40 feet. However, the picture on that very tag showed a picture of a, what looked to be an 80-foot tree. <laughs> <laughs> so what, can you tell me what I should be looking at as far as height? Well, the pictures are just something to make, you know, it's kind of like a, 
a cherry on top of a, a ice cream sundae or something. It's just to sort of entice people or whatever. So the picture doesn't mean too much. Genetically, you can look up the variety online, but usually it's probably 40 feet would be the maximum I would think you're going to be looking at. And maybe in this region, not even 40 feet, any place between 30 and 40. Oh, that's good to hear. That that makes me happy because it's 2,000 square foot a yard. I didn't want a 80, 100 foot tree in there, you know? <laughs> I understand. <laughs> But understand, too, Maple, you know, even though this is only going to be, let's say, a 30 to 40 foot high tree, it's, you know, the amount of root system is going to be pretty substantial. So to keep the tree from falling over and everything else. So the amount of above ground growth is going to be equal to pretty much how much root system below the ground there is. So it's going to impact your landscape, you know, in other ways besides just the shade factor and things along that line. Yeah. All right. Hey, I listen every Saturday, Mike. I appreciate what you do. Well, great. Well, thanks for having me on your show. And now let's go and see what's going on with Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Yes, I had a question. I have the blackberry bushes. I've got a a thornless. When should I cut them back? Uh, We've already had a a hard cold, so you can probably cut them back at any time that you want to. You don't necessarily have to do it. I cut them. Uh, probably down to, you know, maybe like four, you know, four to six inches. Four to six inches off or all the way just that high? Yeah. So I would say you could cut them down. Any of the the canes that are the biggest, the thickest ones, I'd cut yes. those down to four to six inches above the ground. And the ones that are thinner, the other the ones are going to be bearing the better fruits. I would just probably, you know, cut four or six inches off the top of those. Okay. Uh, one other hibiscus, hibiscus, yes, one plant. I've got one that's come back. I've grown it the last few years, but it has no flowers. Do I have to have more than one? No, not at all. Basically, two kinds of flowers just means you get pollinated and you get seed. But for just flowering, it may be location, it may be fertilizing, it may be several different factors. But if it's not flowering, it's just you know a cultural type thing. It has nothing to do with other plant material or anything else. Okay. That's all I really had, and I appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks for calling. And now let's go to Rita. Hi, Rita. How are you today? I'm good. How are you, Mike? Very good. Thank you for taking my call. Last year, I got to the point where I was just fed up with the constant weeding in my flower bed. So this spring, I pretty much tore it all up, put preen down, put landscape fabric down, and then rock on top of it. And it worked out really well. I had I had some weeds, but nothing like I had had. My question is, what do I do what do I need to do to have that same effect next year? Do I need to tear it all up again? Or? Oh heavens no. Good. Thank you. That's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> <laughs> no, but just realize the the landscape fabric and the preen, you know, underneath it, that's great. That's killing anything, any kind of weed seeds or anything that would blow the fabric. But there could be new weed seeds blowing in, so you might want to put a pre-emergent down in between all the rocks and everything to help any kind of weed seeds that have blown in that are just sort of laying there waiting to germinate when the weather gets best for that particular variety. Okay, so it, it will be on top of the fabric then and probably some on top of the rocks, but that that should help. Yeah, I mean, it, it won't grow on the rocks, but it'll grow in between the rocks. 
Okay. So you could either use a pre-emergent if you want to, or you could just wait until things come up and then go ahead and spray them with a broadleaf weed killer or whatever you choose to spray them with. All righty. I thank you very much. You have a beautiful day. Well, you do the very same thing because it is a very nice day. The sky looks so clear. Let's see what's going on with Donna. Donna, how are you today? I'm just fine. Like, uh, I have a pawpaw tree that I got as a seedling, and we don't have a place to put it in our landscape yet, so I have it in a pot. Do I bring it in or do I leave it outside all winter? Oh, no, don't bring it in. Leave it outside. Just dig a hole in some bed space or something and just drop the pot down into the hole and then put the soil back around it and leave the top inch or so of the pot above the surrounding ground wherever you're putting it. Okay, thanks, Mike. You have a good day. Sure. Thank you. And now let's go and see what's going on with Rick. Hi, Rick. Good morning. Hi. Hey, I've got a... Uh, uh, Japanese maple, about 25 years old, and uh, getting ready to sell my house here pretty soon, and it's kind of right in front. I need to trim it back a little bit. was wondering, uh, I think I kind of already heard probably next spring is the time. And then I had a question on um, some apple trees I, I had uh, I had received down uh, about I guess back in, it was late spring, about a dozen apple trees, really nice ones from a local orchard. Anyway, didn't get them planted and, and put them in a five-gallon bucket, and I think I still have about nine out of the 12. Um, not sure where I want them yet. Um, can I keep them over the winter if I if I bury them as, as a group? Yes, definitely. Uh, you know, just de- bury okay. the whole pot. And as far as the Japanese maple goes, the maples really prefer to be pruned in the summertime as opposed to spring or winter. But, yeah, go ahead and, you know, cut it back if you need to. Just make sure that you don't make it look ugly. Okay, very good. Thank you. Certainly. Yeah, all the maples, regardless of the type, there's less sap flow in the summer, which doesn't seem logical, than there is in the wintertime. But uh, so you should be fine pruning it. Just get it done as soon as you possibly can. Let's see. Do we need to take try? Frank, if you could do this really quickly, we can do it. But if you can't, we'll wait until the top of the show or next time. I think I can, Mike. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I had a big oak that I had taken down a few years back, probably mm-hmm. like six, seven years ago. Had it ground down below the surface, probably six, eight inches. And the yard, the grass looks great on it. But all of a sudden, I'm seeing settling, like where the tree, I guess, was. Is it, other than digging up the grass, is there anything I can do to put something on the grass or dirt or something to help lift that back up? No, you're going to have to basically take the you know take the sod up or take the lawn up that's growing there, backfill, and then put the you know put the sod or lawn or whatever back in those spaces. Also, you're going to okay. notice the same thing happening on root systems. So they're finally right. going to implode, and then you're, it's going to look like you have sunken mole tunnels all over your yard. So okay. it's just the wood is rotting underneath the ground. It takes it shows you how long it does actually take, and this is just a natural occurrence. There's nothing you can do. You can't lay a bunch of stuff on top of the saw, you know, the lawn or whatever, and it's because the lawn's not going to be able to survive that. So you're going to have to kind of backfill it with a, probably a topsoil compost mix, and then uh, get your side or get your lawn going again. Okay, thank you. Certainly, have my pleasure. Yeah, and if anybody has any questions or concern, that's about all the t- calls we're going to take this hour. But we do have another hour of the Garden Hotline, so you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120.
take a look around your yard and see what kind of damage there may have been done by, you know, that cold around uh, Halloween. Speaking of Halloween, whoa, that was pretty chilly for those kids as they were walking through the neighborhood. So, again, you have questions or concerns, you can give us a call and we can talk about it. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. See you after the news. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the Garden. Is this the Garden? Garden Hotline, tip of the trial hour. I'll be giving it shortly. But, Mr. Kelly, Yo. you live in Illinois. Yes. Now, with all this Poplar Street Bridge stuff, do you use the Poplar Street Bridge? I do. I do. Uh-oh. But I can also use 55 just as easily. Wow. So I, I, I prefer the Poplar Street Bridge, bridge especially since they, they moved it. You know, they moved the one side over, added a lane there and all that. It's <laughs> right. great. I mean, for me, it's you get right on and go. It's right. no problem. Um, so I'll have to kind of play. Last night after I left the, the SLU game, I did go. I was heading towards the PSB, saw the backup, and went down 55. So I can I can adjust either way. So down way. to the veterans? Uh, no, I go south. Oh. I go down 55. Okay. Yeah, because I live south. So 55 down to 255 and across the river. All right. So, yeah, not too bad, but it's, this is going to be a real issue. Right. Yeah. You aren't They kidding. should just call the Poplar Street Bridge the construction bridge. Yeah. Because they're it, always working on it. Constantly. Always. Yeah. And so. it's been unbelievable. So well, I just good think luck with that. People, the MoDOT doesn't like Illinoisans. <laughs> you know? It's like when I lived in Kansas City one time after a Chiefs game, the Missouri Highway Patrol set up a traffic stop at like 1 o'clock in the morning after a Monday night football game right before State Line Road. Whoa. 95% of the people they stopped were going to Kansas, <laughs> and I fully support that. <laughs> but you and Alex both live in Illinois, so yeah. you're both going to be impacted by this. Yeah, so and I don't they, like it when it deals with Illinois, but if you want to pick on the Kansans, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for your wonderful insight. <laughs> if that's what you want to call it. Certainly. Yes, folks, and if you have questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. With your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments, and by the way, thanks for having me on your show. We're here to discuss all aspects of plant material, your annuals. Uh, annuals probably got frozen in the last couple days. Your bulbs. Now's the time if you still have some spring flowering bulbs that you haven't planted yet. This is a good time to get them in the ground. If you have tropical bulbs like elephant ears and cannas and things like that, it's a good time to either take a chance, just leave them in the ground, or to dig them up and store them for the wintertime. Cool season vegetables and herbs and things along that line. I have some creeping thyme and I have some uh, variegated sage, actually, that really looks vibrant. So they, I mean, they're tough, they're durable, and they're perennial type herbs. Your house plants, they better have been brought inside. Your lawn, your cool season lawn should be looking spectacular. Perennials get all those old stems and everything cut off because they could be harboring diseases, insects, and all kinds of other problems as well. Cut them off. Don't just leave them lay. Your roses, Hard freeze before you cut back your roses is advised. So we haven't quite had a hard freeze yet, but we've had close trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I like sharing my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Alex is running the board, so when you call, he will answer the phone, and he just needs to know your name and where you're calling from. That's pretty much it. During the week, I do landscape consulting, uh, where I come to your home and discuss whatever is on, go- you know, what you, what's impacting your landscape. I'll keep my eyes open for things that I think. 
could be having an impact as well, problem solving. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. The homepage is where you can find my email address and phone number as well. And I, you, we can schedule a walk and talk in your yard. Uh, I'll share 40-plus years of experience, which couldn't relate to everything in your landscape from design ideas. I don't do any kind of formal designs anymore. The plants that you have, plant recommendations, and care and maintenance. The tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. The whole neighborhood is the Italian neighborhood here in St. Louis. I do a lot of good gardening strolls in the Hill neighborhood. I usually go to Barra Park because it's a nice combination of all kinds of different things, athletic fields as well as playgrounds, as well as plant material, memorial gardens, and things like that. But Tracy opened my eyes to something that she had found out about. And this is also in the Hill neighborhood. This is across the street from the St. Ambrose Church, which is the church which has, like, Italian immigrants, a statue of them, you know, coming across, but this was uh, incredible, and it's called Piazza Emos, and Piazza Emos is, like I said, right across the street, and I want to thank the Forsella family for bringing and having this fountain put in this area. This is Italian marble. This fountain is nothing short of spectacular. The whole area, it's just like, wow, this is unbelievable. So, again, thanks to Frisella family. Frisellas are the nursery people, and uh, they paid to have this Italian marble cut, and this, this fountain is just absolutely incredible. There was quite a few people that were kind of hanging around, so we asked them some questions about various things. But it's not just this fountain. There's also a seating area. There's also actually they have a, ch- a couple chess boards, permanent chess boards, so you can play some chess there, and it's just absolutely so Head to the Hill neighborhood, St. Ambrose Church, right across the street. If you want to see Italian marble, we've seen it because we've been to Italy, but that doesn't mean anything. I'm just pumping myself up because I've been to Italy. But anyway, this marble is basically white with some dark gray and black streaks through it, and it this thing is just absolutely wonderful. So you could sit there and just be mesmerized for hours, just the sound of it. It's just the quality of everything else, there's people, you know, well, you just got to go. So just go to the Hill neighborhood, and it's, I believe it's on Wilson, if I'm, not, if I'm not sure, but I'm pretty much sure that that's where it is. And it would be, uh, see, south of Shaw on Wilson. So that's where St. Ambrose Church is. Just look at St. Ambrose Church. If you don't know exactly where it is, you know, online, you'll get the exact you know, directions to it. And uh, just go right across the street. It is something you can see. So, again, the tip of the trial goes out to the Frisella family for the fountain, but also all the people that have donated money, time, and effort to putting this whole brand-new aspect of the Hill neighborhood together. So Piazza Emos, named after, guess what, Emos Pizza. So let's take a call or two before we go to break. Let's go to Marianne. Hi, Marianne. Uh, yes, go ahead. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Um, I I know you've talked about cutting back the hostas, and I do that every year. My hostas right now are still beautiful and green, yes. but it's a nice sunny day, and I'd like to do it today. 
Um, I hate to cut them off, but will it be okay to cut them even though they still have no brown edges on them? Oh, yeah, that's fine. Because pretty much the production of anything is going to be of benefit to the underground growth and you know the, the hardiness of the future. It's kind of done because our days are going to be even shorter as a result of daylight savings time ending tonight or tomorrow morning or whatever. So, yeah, it's fine to cut them now. It's going to break my heart, but you need to do it when you can do it. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, I'll tell you what. You can cut some of the leaves and just put them in a vase and bring them inside and enjoy them for another couple days. Oh, that's a great idea. Thank you very much. Okay. And let's go from Marianne's to Brian. Hi, Brian. How are you? I'm fine. Uh, Quick question, uh, I guess, from the sublime to the not-so-sublime. Is it too late to uh, try to get some grass seed in? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I was afraid so. Yeah, I've been out of the area for, for quite a while, and I thought, oh, I wonder if I'm going to be back in time, but the answer is no, huh? Yeah, I mean, you could try it. If you have existing grass seed, I would say go ahead and spread it because if you're just going to you know, leave it in a bag yeah. in your garage. But if you've got to go out and buy it, the germination and everything else, it's going to take seven, probably even you know, seven to probably 21 days before it's even going to mm-hmm. germinate. And who knows what the weather's going to be like then? So I would exactly. say exactly. Just... No, I got some. Uh, I got some hanging, or I I have some at the house. So uh, I might spread a little bit and see what happens. What right. about uh, in bare spots? What about overseeding? Would that be recommended or not at this time? No, any kind of seed is just not going to have a chance to get germinated because uh, the ground is getting colder and colder, and the air temperature is going to go. I mean, the next few days it's supposed to stay fairly warm. But the ground has gotten, I mean, yeah. I always tell people just bend over and touch the ground and see how it feels, especially in these bare spots. If it feels cold, then that seed is probably not going to germinate at all. I got you. Thanks, Mike. All right, great. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a little bit late. Once we get past mid-October, putting any kind of seed down, I just don't think it's worth the time or effort. Also, the days of old, they used to say when it's snowing, you know, throw grass seed out in the snow. That is the craziest thing you could possibly do. So anyway, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, a caller just called in to remind me the days are not getting shorter just because we changed the clock. But the days are getting shorter because it's getting closer and closer to wintertime. So that shortens the days. So when I'm sort of referring, it's just kind of the triggering aspect of daylight savings time ending, no, it's not going to make that dramatic of a difference. But just each day, the amount of sunlight is going to be less and less and less because of the tilt of the earth in relationship to the sun. So thanks for the caller that called in to remind me of that. And let's see, where do we need to go? Let's go over to, whoa, what a coincidence, Mary. This is number nine, Mary, of the day. Hi, Mary. Good morning. Hi. Hi, I bought a hibiscus tree hibiscus tree no i'm sorry the hydrangea tree and he had it planted um in early september and they told me to trim back in the fall so i'm just wondering is now the time to trim back the flowers have turned um to a darker brown or do i need to wait a little bit longer uh until the leaves start falling off and then how far back do i cut that i wouldn't cut it i would if you want to get rid of the flowers from an aesthetic standpoint that's fine i would just leave everything as it is for the at least a couple years so in other words, oh if, really? Yeah, 
I, you know, okay. I just don't. Uh, and if this is a nursery that told you to and, you know, they're guaranteeing the plant material and things like that, I just don't like anything for the first couple of years. I don't like to do any pruning in it, on it at all. Getting rid of okay. the flowers is not necessarily, you know, the brown flowers is not necessarily pruning, but uh, cutting back branches and things like that, I want it to stay, keep as many buds potentially as possible. So that's why I say I don't like to do any pruning. Okay, I'll call you back in a couple of years and ask you how far back to cut. Time. <laughs> or call me back and say, you were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I would not do that. Thank you so much and have a great day. Certainly, and you do this very same thing. And let's go over to another Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Good morning, Mike. Huh. I, I look forward to your show every every week. It's one of the highlights of my week. <laughs> I have a, a butterfly bush. It's my fifth butterfly bush. And, and my husband says, where's it's my last butterfly bush? Uh, two that we planted at, uh, last fall drowned. I know what happened to them. The other two, I don't know. One was from a box store and one was from a nursery. This one was from Rural King. It's beautiful. It's about three foot uh, around and it's really thriving. But I just want any tip you could give me to try to get the keep this butterfly bush alive. They're pretty. Yeah, I mean they're pretty tough and durable as long as you have them in a dry spot. You know that is what is crucial with them. The best thing to do is if you want to put an inch or two of mulch around the base of it, you can do that. But they really, I mean, they're pretty much minimal care. And that's, you know, sometimes people overcare with fertilizing or doing this or overwatering or things along that line. But if it looks good, just leave it alone. Okay, okay. I have a, a quick second question. Sure. I know tulip bulbs are really iffy because of the squirrels and the hybridizing and all that. But I have 50 to plant. Would I be better off to put them in a pot and, and or in the ground and would sprinkling cayenne pepper on them discourage uh, some critter from eating them? Well, the, yeah, I mean, the squirrels really don't eat them per se. What it is is areas that have been turned over and where the bulbs have been planted, it's easy digging for them. So they'll go over there to plant something or to dig around or to do whatever. So, I mean, they're not really targeting the bulbs per se. So the tulips, okay. any kind of bulb that you're planting, whatever the diameter of the bulb is, it, that's take that three times, and that's how deep it goes. So with the tulips, they're probably going to go down about uh, four or four and a half inches. Squirrels just don't dig that deep. So it's not a squirrel-type thing, but if you're worried about squirrels, you can put the pepper down, but when it rains, it's going to wash it away anyway. So it's uh, just one of those sort of happenstance things that easy to dig soil, that's where they're going to be digging. Okay. Would you think I'd have a better shot in a pot? Uh, if depends upon the size of the pot. I put a lot of bulbs in pots myself, and I just make sure that there's probably an inch or two from the, let's say, the exterior edge of the pot and where the bulb is to act as an insulator. And, uh, you know, I've had pretty good luck. There's been a couple of winters where it's gotten severely cold and they've gotten frozen. So, But uh, the majority of the time I have pretty good luck in pots. Okay, thank you so much, yeah. Mike. Yeah, and use Have a, a potting day. use potting mix, not potting soil. So it's oh, got to be I, really you, well drained. Taught, you have taught me well. I don't do I do it just like you say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank Have you. Have a good week. Certainly, you do the very same thing. And let's go over to Shirley's. Hi, Shirley. Good morning, Mike. Uh, I have um, a Japanese maple that I bought in the spring. It's not very big, but I just put it in a pot that's about, oh, 18, 24 inches in diameter and maybe 20 inches tall. 
Is it going to survive for the winter, or how do I protect it? Uh, basically, if it's a, the pot's probably that big, I might move it you know, up closer to a house or a structure, but make sure that you're not putting it underneath an eave because you want to make sure the rainfall hit and everything hit it. But it should be able to survive in the pot without sinking a pot that large into the ground. Okay, it's not... It's not in the ground. Right. I'm, say, I'm just saying that's fine. But if it was a smaller pot, like a one-gallon pot, then I would say you probably should put, you know, dig a hole and drop the pot into a hole. But a pot the size that you've just described should be adequate enough insulation-wise with the amount of, you know, let's say, growing medium that's around it to insulate it from any kind of weather that we have. I'm, you know, that's so you should be fine. But if you want to put it closer to a structure, to, you know, give it, let's say, a little bit more protection. But like I said, don't put it underneath the eave. So when it rains, you want to make sure rainwater's hitting it and everything else. Okay, I can do that. How long do you think it would survive in that pot? Probably multiple years. Okay, well, that's what I was hoping for. I don't have a very big yard. Yeah. Uh, also, I, I have a problem with amaryllis. I put them in the yard in the spring. Uh, but in the fall, I don't water them. But they they don't lose their their uh, leaves. They just stay green. Right. What do I do? Uh, basically, well, they're not hardy, so they you have to you know if you wanted them to survive, you should dig them up, cut the foliage of them off, and just hold on to the bulb like in a cardboard box in the basement or something along that line. I've do, I've done that, but I've also uh, heard that the leaves should die down before you cut them. They might not always stay green. Yeah, no, you don't have to worry about the leaves dying down. So you okay, can just, you, even if you had them as a you know as a house plant or whatever, you can just cut them off. You know, in the, from a house plant standpoint, you cut them off because you know x amount of months later is when they're actually going to trigger the you know the flower buds coming up. But outside, you can just go ahead and cut them off now. The end of the growing season is pretty much let's say now or whatever. Okay, I, I know I have another question, just one. Um, Siberian iris. I, I also have some just regular iris that I always cut off, um, but Siberian iris are different. They don't have the, the um, uh, rose rhizomes or whatever you call right. them. Uh, so do I cut those back also or just let them stay, the, you know, the tops? Do well, I leave those under? cut them back too. Yeah, you should cut them back because it's like I'm talking about all the perennials. There may be some insects or some diseases or something. Even though Siberian iris, you know, are very, very extremely tough and everything else, just, you know, when they're, when they sort of like get, let's say, get damaged by the cold, they just laying there in the wintertime, they're really kind of ugly. So just go ahead and cut them off. Okay. I don't have a green thumb, but that's one thing at least that I can grow. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's not. Well, you're growing a lot of things, so you do have a green thumb. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for your service. Enjoy your show. Well, thank you. Yeah, I grow a lot of, you know, over the years I've grown a lot of different kinds of trees, evergreens and deciduous both in pots, larger pots like the one you described, so it should be perfect. Let's get another call in before we go to break. Let's go over to Jerry's yard. Hi, Jerry. Hey, Mike. Thanks for your enthusiasm in the morning. <laughs> Got a quick question about uh, mulch. Is it uh, okay to still put mulch out? Uh, this would be like, you know, for a small area in front of a house with some uh, small plants and small bushes. This like is the kind? ideal time. So, which, is the best, which is the best kind to use? 
Uh, so, you know, you can go online, look at stlcompost.com. It, there's personal choice. There's many different kinds of mulch you can use. And, uh, you know, my personal choice is just a personal choice. So it's really strictly hey, Tally, up to you. Okay. Uh, what about the the pretty kind of a brown kind as compared, like, to the darker kind? doesn't make any difference. Oh, okay. Well, sounds good. All right. Yeah. A mulching we will go. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's just the organic quality of the mulch, and it acts as an insulating layer. If you, you if you put it down, like, too soon, what it does is keep the—because it is insulating, it keeps the ground temperature warm— and it could prevent the plants from going as dormant as they need to. But this is the ideal time to be putting mulch down. When I worked at the Botanical Garden, this would be the time of year. I worked in the Woodland Garden for four years that I'd be there. I use leaf mold, which leaf mulch. And I put, you know, four inches or so over the entire Woodland Garden. And I just spent the entire month of November doing that. So it's just, you know, personal choice as much as anything. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, this would be a good time to go out and just take, I mean, it's nice and sunny and everything else. You don't have to do it right now if it's still a little bit too cool for you. But just wander around and take a look at your bed spaces and your lawns and look for those annual cool season weeds. They are up. You know, I've, you know, I stay on top, blah, 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 blah. But still, some new seeds can come in in various different ways. So look for henbit or dead nettle, common chickweed, the annual bluegrasses. There's a type of clove or two. So there is just a whole series of them. And I was wandering or I was walking the other day and just across the lawn, and I saw three different little clumps of henbit. I thought, darn it. But so, you know, in the next couple of days, I'm going to go ahead and dig that stuff up and because you want to get rid of it as soon as you possibly can so it doesn't start flowering because once it starts flowering, you can get some seeds formed from those flowers. Seeds will drop, and then you're back right where you were before. So the cool season annual weeds are problematic. There are, you know, perennial weeds that are problematic, but the annual weeds are more of a heartache headache for me. Let's head over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Hey, Bob, Hello? are you there? Yeah, I'm there. How are you doing today? Very good. Appreciate your show. Uh, I have a question about an oak tree I've got that's about eight years old, and it's starting to die from the top down. Ooh. I looked online, don't, didn't like what I, what I read, so I'm looking for a little help. Uh, basically, that's not a good sign for sure. So, I mean, you've uh, you know, read what potentially. What I would do is do something called deep root feeding. So, in other words, get an electric drill, an earth auger, which is a big drill bit, auger a bunch of holes all the way around a couple feet out from the trunk to just beyond the drip line of the branches and backfill those with compost. That would be my recommendation. So, in other words, you're going to feed the soil, and hopefully a you know, healthy soil will help the tree in general. But injections okay. and you know, fertilizing stakes and all that other stuff, I would not do that. Okay. Would I, uh, what, would I trim off the dead portion or just leave it there? Uh, probably I would leave it there for right now. Okay. But uh, next year, if uh, you know, I would go ahead and cut it out because it's going to start aggravating you and worrying you and everything else. But going into wintertime, i just leave it. Okay. All right. I thank you very much, sir. Appreciate the show. Certainly. Thank you. Bye. And... Uh, where should we go? Let's see. Rick's yard. Hi, Rick. How are you today? Hello, Rick. 
Oh, sorry, Rick. Looks like we got to let you go. And now uh, down to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Good after, or good morning. I have two questions. Number one, sun patients, can they survive the winter? Uh, no. I mean, no. you could try it, but for the most part, they're not winter hardy. So if you cut them off at the ground, just see what happens in the spring? Yeah. You got really lost nothing by doing that, right? Absolutely not. I mean, that's how the whole concept behind everybody used to take cannons up out of the ground you know, because they were not considered hardy. But there has been many people who've let their canna roots, you know, over the long, long periods of time, and they're coming back. Now, some years they may all get killed off, but uh, it never hurts to give it a try. What do you do? I'd probably do what you're thinking of. Just get rid of the above-ground foliage and see what happens. Okay, so on the canas, you have canas, elephant ears, and... Uh, banana trees. Do you cut those off, or do you uh, and put them in the put them in a warmer place, or do you leave them in the ground? No, I don't leave them in the ground. I get them out, you know, okay. and, and put them a, some in the garage, and then some some that I really like that are kind of rare. I put those. I clean those all up and put them in cardboard boxes and bring them and put those in the basement. But the majority oh, so you keep some of yours in the garage. The, the cold in the garage doesn't hurt them if you have them covered. Uh, I put them in like Rubbermaid tubs. Yeah. And yeah. what I do is I have them on wood pallets so they're not sitting directly on the ground. And uh, I've had pretty good luck with it. Oh, okay. And then the last question is around hydrangeas. I have a, a leafy ones, and then I have one that's a big, probably five foot, almost six foot tall, and it's got branches on it, you know, regular sticks, stalks, right. whatever you want. What do I do? Do I start trimming these down to the ground now, or do I let them just die? What do you do with them in the wintertime? Just leave them alone. Leave them alone? Yeah. Everybody's okay. always monkeying with hydrangeas, and it really messes them up. So just okay. Even though they may die, the leaves may die and everything, just let them go? Right. Just leave them alone. The next year, as we come out of wintertime, anything that uh, you know looks suspect or whatever, if you want to do some pruning and you're sure that those particular twigs or branches or whatever happen to be uh, are dead, then prune those off. Or best thing would be just to wait until the new growth begins. Then if you see any kind of branches, twigs or whatever that don't have any leaves coming off of it, just prune those off. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about on these big shrubs? They're almost like a – it's a bush. I mean, it's a – and it's got, uh, you know, uh, branches coming out of the ground. I don't know, stalks, whatever you want to call it. Right. Okay, so just let that go. Just let them, all the leaves die and let it just be bare for the wintertime. Absolutely. Okay. All right, great. Thank you very much. Certainly. Yeah, we try to do too much. I mean, we orchestrate and manipulate everything way, way beyond what we should. And now let's go to Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. Hello, Mike. Good Hi. morning. Good morning. Uh neighbor gave me a couple castor bean plants last spring, and I planted them. I got three plants. Two had a red stalk, and one had a much thicker green stalk. A lot of fun with those plants. Now, uh, the, the green one produced a seed pod, and I cut it off and uh, cut the plants down this week. And I wonder how to care for that seed pod because I'd like to reproduce that that green uh, heavy stalk one next spring. Second question, 
I put a, put the plants back on the, the burn pile, and uh, one of these cold December days, I'm going to burn all that brush back there. I know the seeds are poisonous. Is there any problem with burning those plants in terms of the smoke being harmful? Not that I know of personally. But as far as, you know, the you know the pods, what you can do is, I'm assuming you got more than just one pod, you know, off the one caster bean. I just got one pod. Really? It was at the top. It was about as big as a baseball. And I saved it. That's, right. that's all I got. Just wait until it dries, and you can just pop that open, and the seeds are going to be down inside that. Yeah, that was from the green stalk one. That was a much better plant. That stalk got... At soil level, the stalk was about, uh, oh, about uh, four-inch diameter. Right. They get huge. Yeah. it was Some of those leaves I, I measured uh, were in excess of 36 inches wide. Right. They're, I mean, massive. And the, actually, castor bean seed will look like almost a marble. It'll have that marblish tan look. Dark right. brown. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I got some. The neighbor gave me some, and I saved some for next year. But I was just impressed at uh, the green stalk. The green stalk was much better than the red stalk ones. Right, absolutely, and you don't know, you know, exactly why. So, the red well, now, is just I'm burning these plants. Uh, I just sort of avoid the smoke, I guess. Yeah, huh? I think you. I, I've never, you know, I've never really burnt them. I know you can. You're from Illinois, so you can have open burning. Yeah. But I just kind of stay away from the smoke, just well, I'll in be case. Darned. Okay. Well, uh, thanks again. Right. Well, thank Bye. you. Mike Bye. Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Guess what, folks? You've brought in your houseplants. They look spectacular. Yeah, they're going to go through uh acclimation period, bringing them inside. The best thing that you or the thing that you better watch out, though, bring them inside. Don't overwater your houseplants. Just like plants outside, hardy trees, shrubs, or anything else, perennials, if it's too wet, it's going to cause damage. Same thing can happen with plant material that's inside, even though they're tropical. You say tropical, it's rainforest, it's all this. No, no, no. All of them are not from the same place. So just watch out watering plant material that you have inside. Doesn't matter what kind it is, don't overwater. That's the worst thing you can possibly do. Let's go over to Alton, Illinois, and see what's going on with Joseph. Hi, Joseph. Hey, Mike. Hi. Well, I think you just answered my question. <laughs> I was just, I let's see, about two weeks ago, I gave all my spiders uh, plants a good drink of, of uh, miracle Grow, and they worked out real well, and then I brought them all in, but now I've noticed the leaves are starting to turn yellow. Uh, is what's, what should I, this is my second year bringing, bringing plants inside the house. Uh-huh. What should I do? And they're all up and get to windows. There's a dozen of them and they're all plenty of room and it's real nice. And, you know, just, you know, isolated individual leaves, just, you know, so let's say turning yellow. This is just something that's going to happen. This is just an acclimation, okay. you know, process. Just even those spider plants, I mean, you can take cuttings, those little spiders, and actually put them in a glass of water and do all that other stuff. Just if they're in the potting mix in the pots, don't overwater and just watch out as far as that goes. But other than individual little, let's say, spiky leaves, which are blades, which is what they have, just cut off any of the brown stuff. Okay. Well, I think you got it. Yeah. Hey, you have a good day, buddy. You do the very same thing. Yeah, they're kind of very unique plants as far as what they do, how they grow, and everything else. And really, very low care. So I don't know if you have this 
the variegated one with a white stripe or the one that has a, just a green leaf. But uh, just watch out as far as watering. Even though they can take a lot of water, overwatering in the wintertime is woo, bad, bad news. Let's go and see what's going on with Bill. Hi, Bill. Good morning. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. A um, couple questions. Number one, I uh, kind of rescued some plants from a big box store. Uh, they were two Alberta uh, dwarf Alberta spruce. And they had some rust on them here and there, and they had a marked down. And sure enough, they came back. In the process, I have not gotten them planted this uh, summer, uh, partly because I'm not sure where I want to plant them. Uh, I'd like to take them out of the pots that they came in and put them into some larger containers for the winter. Does that work? Yeah, you can do it. Basically, when you take them out, don't do too much. I mean, shake a little bit of the existing potting mix or whatever medium is growing and then put them down in the, the pot, the, the larger pot. You don't want a huge pot. Just get a pot that's one or two inches bigger than the existing pot and then backfill that with uh, I wouldn't use dirt or anything else. I would use a potting mix for that as well. Okay, thank you. Uh, cutting back clematis, do you recommend you cut them back? If, if you do, how far back? Uh, basically, how long they've been in the ground? Uh, these been in the ground two to three years. Uh, you could cut those back almost all the way to the ground if you want to. If they've been in the ground four or five years, I'd say, you know, don't, you know, cut the stuff that's aggravating to you off, but the rest of it just leave alone. Okay. Uh, Class A compost from St. Peter's, you know, they just sell it real cheap. Uh, it's their uh, recycle place over there off of Mid Rivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you recommend that for garden soil? Well, I mean, as long as it's been processed and, you know, turned and everything, and when you look at it, it doesn't stink or anything along that line, then you should be fine. What is, last question, what is the best thing to do for garden soil uh, to get it ready for next spring? Basically, turn it over. So, in other words, shovel, rototill, whatever. You can put a little compost in. You can put compost on it if you want to, but just turning the soil over is the best thing you can do because that helps expose any kind of diseases, any kind of insects, insect eggs, pupa, and all that other stuff that could, then the winter could kill that stuff off. All right. Should I leave it rough from the shovel turnover or should I till it after I turn it over? No, you can leave it rough if you want to. Okay. Hey, listen, you have a great program and I appreciate your time. Well, thank you. And thanks for having me on your show. Let's go over to Greg's yard. Hi, Greg. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thank you for taking my call. Question real simple. When can I cut my ewes? I missed cutting them in September. Can I can I trim back my ewes right now? I don't like to prune going into wintertime, but that's okay. my own personal hang-up. I mean, okay. they may the, be fine. Oh, it's just okay. you cut off a couple inches, we get a severe winter, then you get more die back. And Yeah. Okay. When's, when's the best month to cut them in the spring then? Uh, probably as we come out of wintertime. Let's say so sometime uh, mid-February through mid-March, you could prune them before the new growth begins. All right, mid. I'll mark my calendar down so I don't miss it again. Thank you so very much. And, and any suggestion on how to fertilize ewes to to make them grow faster? Nah, you're not going to get them. You're not going to. You don't want a surge of growth, but you want to use an acid-based fertilizer. So in other words, they acid-based. need iron, they need sulfur, they need all that stuff. And then when you prune them, make sure that the bottom is wider than the top, so at a slight angle, so that way you can keep needles all the way down, to, you know, as low on the plant as you want. Smart. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. And let's see. We got uh, one minute or so. Uh, Joe, could you do it real quick? Oh, 
Okay, good morning, Mike. Uh, real quick, uh, burning bushes. Is this a good time to replace them? Uh, replace? Yeah, if, yeah if, basically, if you know, if you've got a source to get the plant material, you, you can still plant this month without a problem at all. And so the burning bush, some of them have been most spectacular this year than I ever remember seeing. There's one in my neighborhood that's so striking. So, but yeah, if you know where you can get the plant material, then you can plant it. Uh, you got another couple weeks and no problem. Very good. Thank you, Mike. Certainly. And the burning bush, they don't want a wet spot. They don't like wet, wet, no. So just make sure it's a very well-drained area. So, Tom, very I'm good. sorry Thanks. we're not going to get around to you today. So, But hopefully the garden hotline will be back next week. So just get out there and enjoy the weather. But also while you're walking around your yard, take a look around because taking care of problems early on can mean that they won't be so problematic in the future. So just, I mean, this has been really chilly and everything else, but just enjoy it. This is a seasonal change. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline. See you next week. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law.